So most of us are familiar with the story that it's about the requirement of vulnerability that, that love. Um, <laughs> we, I'm doing the signal, but you weren't looking. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little bit echoey up here for me, a little bouncy. Thank you. Uh, that, that love requires vulnerability. It's an early story in Scripture. It comes from the book of Judges, and it's about a young couple there were bad signs all over this relationship from the start she had a real questionable background he was reckless at best the story is about sam and d you you know who i'm talking about that'd be samson and delilah if you're you're not tracking with me and um, the whole relationship is full of cat and mouse and she just keeps begging him to be transparent to be honest to be open tell me your secrets tell me your secrets samson and he rightfully is a little afraid to be vulnerable with her because she turns out to be the the worst person imaginable to be vulnerable with but if we love it requires vulnerability and so he finally caves you know the story he goes to sleep with a full head of hair he wakes up with no hair and ends up losing his eyes hence the term love is blind and the whole thing spirals down into this terrible death spiral he ends up killing a bunch of philistines and himself and so closes the story of Samson. But the whole thing revolved around Delilah's correct in all of her badness of her motives, her request that he confide in her, that he be honest and open and transparent. It's an honest, basic necessity of love. Love requires being vulnerable. And of course, Christ has demonstrated uh, the vulnerability that, that love requires and sometimes like in Samson's case like in Jesus case it ends up badly it costs you badly it costs your life so what we want to look at today is this part of vulnerability if you and I are going to love and by by the way we're made in the image of Christ by Christ and for Christ who is love incarnate and so if we are going to become who God intended us to become and do what God intended us to do if we're going to develop to be the kind of fully human, fully alive beings, Christ-like beings that God intended, then love is a core component of our lives, and and love requires vulnerability. There's no getting around it. Now, I want to start by showing you uh, three reasons why love requires vulnerability. And the first is something I'm going to call complicity. Now, we hear that word complicity. A lot of times we're thinking complicity to commit a crime. That's not what I mean. Complicity is the notion that you are kind of forging your destiny with someone else. Every time you get on an airplane, you're kind of forging your destiny with everybody else that's on the airplane. You ever think about that one? Might be a mafia hitman on that plane when you get on it, and God wants to take him out, but you're on the plane. Wasn't a good day for you, was it? No, no, no. Don't, don't think about that when you get on the plane. God gives his grace to the, the wicked and the good during this age. He makes his sun rain on them. Okay, so relax on an airplane. Just met a guy in the first service. He, just this past year, he made 70 trips on an airplane, and he's fine and dandy. Uh, anyway, so complicity is this. It is when you and I take the journey to care for someone. Anytime we care for them, their destiny and our destiny gets kind of fused together. In other words, what touches them, what hurts them, it touches us as well. If we care, to the degree that we care, to the degree we will be affected or afflicted by what is going on in their life. Look at a verse from the Old Testament. And this is the Lord talking about himself and his complicity his union, his care concern, his bond of concern with his people. 
Isaiah 63, 9. In fact, this is one of these verses. You may just want to mark it in your Bible, put something in there, because you may want to go back to it again and again, because we, we tend to drift. We tend to think that God is so above it all that he's detached that you know nothing down here is affecting him the way it's affecting us that he can't quite understand what it's like to be us but that is not the truth he is completely vulnerable not destructible his will is going to be done his kingdom is going to come but he is vulnerable look at it let him speak for himself in all their sufferings he also what suffered all there all the Israelite sufferings he himself suffered whenever there's love it requires vulnerability and what happens to the person I care about it's going to happen to me to some degree in all their suffering he also suffered and he personally rescued them so the reason that love requires vulnerability is that first of all complicity once you start caring for anyone or anything what affects them is going to affect you or not depending on the degree of care that we have now I want you to think about something the person that cares the most is always the most vulnerable let me share that with you whoever loves the most is the most vulnerable think about that perhaps you've been in a relationship where you could tell that you know you wanted the relationship to go deeper with someone it might be a friendship it could be any number of things but you could tell they don't the one that loves the most is the most vulnerable therefore what this means this means that God who loves more than any of us is the most vulnerable person in the whole universe in all of existence and this is something we rarely think about we, we think of God as being almighty but remember he's the almighty lamb that was slain he is both the most indestructible and the most sensitive and vulnerable fit emotionally of any of us in the universe so the one who loves the most always is the most vulnerable and the second part or second reason why we're so vulnerable or have to be vulnerable in love is something that um, I'm going to call uncertainty and uncertainty is something we all know about it's just that thing that you meet somebody and maybe you for whatever reason you feel like you have chemistry you start liking them and you're thinking man I'd like to have a real friendship with this person a real relationship you want it to go deeper or it might be you know a love interest and you meet somebody and you know you're single and you meet somebody and you're thinking you know man, man I'd like this to go deeper but you know and I know in any relationship the power is held in the other person's hands and they may, for whatever arbitrary reason, even though we may be the most wonderful person in the world, they may still choose that they're not interested in the relationship, or at least the level of the relationship that we do. Rejection is always a possibility. In fact, rejection is a possibility. I'm not trying to make anybody feel insecure. I'm not trying to, you know, disrupt your, your healthy relationships. But the truth is, you and I know all through life, relationships are uncertain. We know people are abandoned we know people are betrayed we know that that slander occurs sometimes after decades these things can still happen so there's an uncertainty whenever you and I are going to enter into any kind of relationship with a love basis we have to be vulnerable because we're just not certain we're not certain how the other person is going to react and things change verse from Isaiah once again speaking of the Lord and here's here's the Lord depicted this is 700 and some years before Jesus came but it's giving a portraiture of Jesus it says he was despised and what is the word rejected rejected by men a man of deep sorrows who was no stranger to suffering and grief we hid our faces from him in disgust and considered him a nobody not worthy of respect 
I mean, sometimes parents, I know, get really discouraged and get down. You know, they're, they're kids that were so wonderful when they were little and just thought that, you know, mom and dad were just the most perfect people and jumped up and down just to get in their arms. And then they get to be teenagers or young adults, and sometimes things change. And the parents get so discouraged, and they feel like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? You ever think about this one? God's two kids, Adam and Eve, <laughs> they not only rejected him outright, they rejected him for a talking snake. So... Don't feel so bad, mom and dad. God, who is perfect, was rejected. And we know that Jesus, now that God has revealed himself completely in Jesus, he is still rejected, but he continues to make himself vulnerable to us. So love requires vulnerability because there's uncertainty. The next part of love that requires us to be vulnerable is transparency. Uh, we, we all know that the degree of transparency determines the degree of depth in a relationship. For example, you have people that maybe you just get used to seeing at the grocery store or the bank or something like that, and you share you know, information with them on one level. But then you may have a personal friend from the neighborhood, you share information with them on another level. Then you may have people in your family, it goes even deeper, and then you know, it could be your spouse, your child, or your brother, your sister, it, it gets really deeper. So transparency is a part, but transparency it makes you vulnerable because sometimes what we share is not necessarily appreciated or valued or, or agreed with, okay? And, and let me show you the thing about transparency. Um, let, me, let me pick somebody. You, you guys. Now, not, not to, you know, be harsh on you or anything, but did, did you do, did you, I mean, you look to have, but did you do anything before you came out today? In other words, you're not here just the way you were when you woke up. Is that correct? You, you fix yourself up a little. You, you, you deal with you, you're like me. You just do what you can, right? <laughs> now, did you, did you do that because you, you knew that I loved you more than she does? It's a, it's a trick question. <laughs> no. You know you can just... You can have cake in your eyes and you can be all, you know, in your, in your relaxed, you know, clothing and all like that. And she's still going to love you. She's still going to accept you. You're safe with her. You're transparent with her. Those that we're not so sure about, we're less transparent with. So transparency, though, inevitably involves vulnerability. Go back to Samson and Delilah. Delilah's complaint was, you won't confide in me. You won't tell me the truth. Now, she was scheming the whole time. But we fear, we fear making ourselves open and honest. Look at the example we have once again with Christ. It says, this is love, not that we have loved God. Notice God knows up front that we don't love him. And yet he's saying, I don't care if you love me or not. I still love you. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So God is transparent in his love toward us and to be in a relationship, the depth of the relationship is going to be determined based on our willingness to be transparent and that means being vulnerable. Now here's the cool thing. We can only feel truly loved to the degree that we're truly known. Let, let that sink in for a minute. You and I can only feel truly loved to the degree that we're truly known. If we are like an iceberg, and I'm not trying to be you know, sarcastic like you're a cold person, but an iceberg, 75% is below the surface, 25% is above. So if we're keeping 75% of ourselves hidden from others, and depending on what the relationship is, that might even be appropriate, but we're only gonna feel 25% loved. 
for you and I to feel 50% love, we've got to disclose 50%, 75%, 75%. If we want to feel completely loved, you've got to be completely transparent, and that means being completely vulnerable. Delilah's request from Samson again and again, tell me your secrets. When he did, she turned it against him, and that's what you and I fear, and that's why love requires vulnerability. But if we want to feel loved, we have to be willing to be transparent. So I want to spend the rest of the time showing, well, well what does this love look like? I mean, you know, we, we kind of know why, but what does it require? What form does it take in everyday life? And I could have picked a, a dozen principles, but I, I focused in on three that I think are the most prominent that we would likely benefit from. And so the first one is something I'm going to call teachability. Now, teachability revolves around the fact that I don't, know you or understand you completely and you don't know me or understand me completely and even those that we're the most close with we are constantly in process trying to understand them hopefully they're trying to understand us but then there's another part to this whole dilemma I am in process all through my life just trying to understand myself how, how many of you would agree that you understand yourself better now than you did 10 years ago. Can I see your hands? Yeah, it's, it's just a part of life. So, so this is a, a moving target. So this makes us vulnerable. Let me, let me share a verse, and you'll see how this all fits together. Paul writing to followers of Christ living in Ephesus in Ephesians 4.29, he says, Do not use harmful words. So far, I got it. I got that part. But only helpful words. Okay, okay, I'm still tracking then he kind of throws me a curve the kind that build up and provide what is needed so that what you say will do good to those who hear you now it's complicated because I don't know what you need I, I mean I, I just don't know sometimes in my life because of my own personal baggage my own lack of development I will not even have the capacity to see, to see what you need. I can't even see you. Maybe I'm so needy. How many, how many have ever had a toothache or, or, a he, or earache? Can I see your hands? When you got a toothache or, or earache, are you thinking much about anybody else? <laughs> no, no. Sometimes we're at a stage in life where it is taking all of our energy just to deal with our own pain, our own baggage. So how can I... How can I have freedom? How can I have space? Where's my capacity to understand you? Therefore, I'm trying to guess. The point I'm trying to make is this. When we're trying to find the right words to build somebody up, the words that they need to hear at, at the time, we're going to swing and miss a lot of times. It's just reality. Even though we intend to do well, we're going to miss a lot of times, and that, that makes this a very vulnerable thing this business of learning to love. Just curious, how many of you have ever, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I, I should ask just men, but I, I won't do that. How many of you have ever, you, you really gave it some thought, you might have even prayed, okay? So you, you prayed and you, you were looking for just the right words to say to someone about something. You wanted to really build them up. You wanted to cheer them. You wanted to comfort them. You know, you, you wanted to, to give them something. You, you wanted to bless them. And so then you shared and when, and when you shared, to say that it backfired would be the understatement of the year. How, how many have ever had that experience? Guys, I know you all have had it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my point is this. 
We are vulnerable because we're, 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 we have to be teachable in this process. We're always learning. I'm always trying to, to figure out who I am. I'm trying to figure out who the other person is. I'm doing my best. You're doing your best. But we're going to swing and miss a lot of times because loving requires this ongoing learning about the other person. So it makes us vulnerable because sometimes our best effort is not really a successful one. The second thing is, is generosity. Now, now, generosity is an interesting concept. I'm going to talk about I want you to relax, so I'm going to just tell you where I'm going with this. I'm going to talk about money, but I am not talking about money to get your money. We cool with that? We okay? That's not what this is about. I'm using money as an illustration about generosity relationally okay so that's what I'm doing so just relax don't grab your your credit card or your your wallet we're okay so generosity is, is the notion that I am going to ask myself this question how can I help you what what can I do for you how can I serve you how can I bless you how can I cheer you how, for, how can I comfort you in other words that is my attitude that is the the directing point of my life when I'm when I'm interacting with someone I'm not asking what can I get out of you what are you going to contribute to me what are you going to do for me I'm going to ask what if anything can I do for you how can I help you how can I serve you can I build you up can I cheer you can you know what can I do all right so I I have a generous I want to have always a generous frame of mind relationally because love again requires vulnerability so obviously if all you and I are thinking about is giving we could be taken advantage of, right? Somebody could just keep taking, taking, taking and, and never appreciating. Think about that, never appreciating, never really registering what we've done or what we're doing, but just taking more and more. So, so we know all that stuff. So it makes you vulnerable when you have a, a love-giving disposition. Now, here's the money part. That is where you're going to get nervous. So you, for you that have put your trust in Christ and you are his follower, I know you love God, you love his work, you love his kingdom, you love his church. You joyfully give, you contribute of your finances to the work of God. And probably some of you sit down and write out a check. Some of you, you know, you give online. But, but you know, I, I'm estimating. If you write out a check, what, what does it take? Two minutes maybe? How many would agree with that? Is that, is that, is that in the ballpark, two minutes to write a check? Uh, again, relax. I'm not going to ask you for money. <laughs> I can see the tension. It's like... I don't know if to put this hand up or not. He, he's going to take a collection. <laughs> no. Others of us, maybe we have a, a, a season once a year, for example, where maybe we take an hour or maybe a week or a month where we pray and we think about how much we're going to give to the work of God this year, you know, and it's a serious thing for us. And I don't, I don't think I'm far off on this. When, when we give, most of us we feel it in other words it is a subtraction it's not that we dread it we're, we're glad to do it we love to give to the work of God but we do feel it we know that there was this much money <laughs> we once had and now there's that much that's been subtracted we we feel it okay what if what if you could just give and give and the more you gave in fact faster than you could give it more was pushed into your account how, how many would sign up for that ride can I just see your hands and I'm not going to say that that's what God promises he does not he does not but I want to show you something because I, I'm, I'm going to go back to this thing of relational giving okay I'm using the money as an illustration my point is what if we could give relationally continuously without the fear 
of being drained or burning out or being taken advantage of and all those kinds of things. But let me give you an example of somebody. You, you, you know this guy, Jeff Bezos. Right now, I think he's the richest man in the world. It's between him and Elon Musk. It goes back and forth. But I want you to just, just let this sink in for a minute. He makes this much a second. Every second of his life, he makes $2,489. Now, drop down here. I ask you, it takes you about two minutes to write a check. Look at how much he makes every minute. $149,353. That means two minutes to write a check. He's writing his check. He just made $300,000. He cannot give it away <laughs> faster than he gets it. His, his money supply is overwhelming. This is what the dude wear, makes a year. Wish he was a member of this church. Um, <laughs> we, we got about a, about a five, I don't know, five and a half million dollar mortgage. Mr. Uh, Bezos, could, he wouldn't even know he, what he was doing. I mean, check it out. The guy makes this much an hour almost nine million dollars an hour anybody here make nine million an hour i want to talk with you if you do <laughs> so his energy let's say his financial energy is endless he he gets more he's refueled faster than he can give it out what if we could have that to be the case with us relationally and this is what i'm trying to say it's true there is a truism here and i'm going to share a, a criteria for it in a minute but the truism is this if we go through life with the attitude man i'm not going to ask what are you going to do for me what do i get out of you i'm going to ask one set of questions what can i do for you how can i bless you how can i help you how can i cheer you how can i come you now i'm going to swing and miss a lot of times because once again my own capacity is reduced i'm still dealing with my own baggage we all are okay but my attitude is is i'm aiming at giving at being generous and I'm not going to be afraid of you taking advantage of me I'm not going to be afraid of me burning out even though it warns us in Galatians 6 9 you know don't become weary in well-doing listen if you and I stay within our God-given sphere of influence each of us has a God-given sphere of influence it's your family it's your friends it's your work associates and so forth it's your church and you stay within the context of, of who you are as a person. Some of us are introverts, and we can't deal with a lot of relationships. Some of us are extroverts. We can deal with tons of relationships. You've got to be real with yourself. And you that are followers of Christ, God has given you a certain individual or set of spiritual gifts. And if I stay within my giftedness, if I stay within my temperament type, if I stay within the sphere, sphere of influence, I will not burn out, Okay but I will be endlessly supplied with energy and joy to give, to serve, even when I'm not being appreciated, even when I'm not getting the results back that I want under one condition. Let, let me show you what the condition is. Oh, I'm sorry. You were right. I'm wrong. This is a verse that we're basing all this on, Galatians 5.13. Serve one another humbly in love. It's a simple, simple concept to read. It's hard, hard, hard to do. All right, here's my point. Think of who and how you can serve. Now, just stop there for a minute. That part we should do. We should go through life saying, who can I serve and how can I serve them? All right? But then this second part is critical for that energy that I'm talking about. But then, but then, don't think of who and how you served how many of you know what i'm talking about so serve serve those that god's put within your sphere of influence but then don't think about who you just served or what you just did for them 
Because if you think about who you just served or what you just did for them, you and I being human beings, we're going to want to be appreciated. We're going to want to return. And if we don't get what we think we deserve, if we don't get the return, if we don't get the appreciation, what happens? We lose energy. I'm not motivated to give you anymore. I'm not giving you anything. You don't appreciate it. You, you don't do anything back for me, right? How, how many agree with that? See? I'm going to read that statement again because it is, it is a tricky concept. I have found this so true in myself think of who and how you can serve that's healthy stay there that's the way god thinks he's just looking for who who will be receptive to him who he can serve and how he can serve but don't especially people like me don't think of who and how you serve because when we start recording who we served and what we've done for them that's where the trouble comes in and we lose the motivation and we lose the joy of serving stay vulnerable just serve because it's God's intention just serve because God is the greatest servant in the universe just serve because we are headed for a world where everyone will serve everyone all the time and it will be a place of absolute joy and full satisfaction for us all third principle is this resiliency now resiliency it it it's familiar to us but there's a nuance to it that I want to try to bring out for you let me read you a verse from 1 Corinthians 13 and this is the, the, the marriage passage typically. You know, when people are getting married, they often read this. Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. If we were to read verse 5, I should have put it in there. It says, love keeps no record of wrongs, meaning that love is good at forgiving. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It always, now there's four alwayses here. Follow these. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres resiliency now resiliency is more than just gritting one's teeth and hanging in there albeit there are how many of you know there are times in life when you just got to grit your teeth and hang in there how, how many know that's God's honest truth yeah but that's not what we really mean by resiliency resiliency is this not keeping a record of wrongs always protecting always trusting always hoping always persevering but maintaining a spirit of tenderness and sensitivity and compassion in other words it's it's easy to do the right thing sometimes but to have our insides feeling all the wrong things now now it's still better to do the right things no matter what your insides are saying but it's better when your inside and your exterior behavior are matching up and that is a possible thing to do it it means we're going to be vulnerable it means that our our efforts again may not be appreciated let's take the one forgiveness love keeps no record of wrongs you know we're all terrified of someone offending us or slandering us or hurting us or taking advantage of us or or just endlessly disrespecting us we all fear that it hurts it really does but yet we're comfortable with the idea that that god forgives us every day probably maybe multiple times a day that's something we kind of expect and we we can accept it but if you sin against me if you offend me or i sin against you or offend you do you agree it's hard for you to forgive me when i sin against you yeah it's hard because it hurts us okay so the notion of resiliency is that i'm i'm hoping all things and i'm forgiving and i'm forbearing and, and i'm doing all these things but i'm doing it 
keeping my inside, keeping my heart open to the person, keeping my heart as tender as possible, keeping my heart as kind as possible. And I'm telling you, this is hard. This is hard. How many, how many, you, how many you know? <laughs> human beings, even the best of human beings, are really, really hard to love sometimes. How many, how many would agree with that statement? It's just reality. So resiliency in love makes us vulnerable again and again and again because it means we have to keep on forgiving and we have to keep on trusting we have to keep on protecting and hoping and some of you are sitting there thinking you know man you know i'm being physically abused and like i'm not talking about that we're, we're talking about everyday normalized relationships and if you think you're being abused talk to somebody that has godly wisdom and objectivity that can help you sort it out and see whether you are or not okay so these are the ways we, we tend to have to demonstrate this vulnerable love day in and day out. Now, there's a sentence that I want to share with you. All of life comes down to this. I, I just thought of this in the past two or three months. All of life truly comes down to this. Life is about learning to live like God lives. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to learn to live the exact same way that he does because it's the best and the most joyful way. And to love like God loves and we will ultimately he'll finish the work in us we'll be transformed to the image of Christ and then for the rest of eternity we will live the way God lives and love the way he loves and we will discover that that's the greatest thing that is the most joyful thing that is the most desirable thing that is possible and all of life is like that and being vulnerable in relationships is one of God's greatest contexts for you and I to start learning now how to live like God lives and to love like God loves. And that means, that means being vulnerable. Now, we can't be vulnerable like this unless we are confident that God is with us. He is for us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. We can't go around with our hearts held out unless we're confident that God is the healer of broken hearts and he will heal our broken heart. Elsewise, we will close our heart. We will guard our heart and we will never make ourselves vulnerable to anybody or anything. Let me close with a powerful, rather long, but a powerful statement by C.S. Lewis, Christian writer, from World War II era. There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries and avoid all entanglements lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness but in that casket safe dark motionless airless it will change it will not be broken it will become unbreakable impenetrable irredeemable the alternative to tragedy or at least the risk of tragedy is damnation the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations did I say that right? Perturbations of love is where? Hell. Hell is a loveless place. So to love it all, and we are love-shaped, love-driven creatures, it is to be vulnerable. Don't fear the vulnerability. Embrace it because we have a God that is the, the healer of broken hearts. And some of you know it. You know it by experience. Now, I'm going to close by suggesting that some of us, some of us, still 
have been fearful to even entrust ourselves to Christ, the one that created us and the one that proved his love by sacrificing his life on the cross for us. You're here, maybe you're, you're seeking, you're, you're two steps forward and three steps back, but the truth is, you know it, God knows it, you've never yet put your trust in Christ. You've never yet followed him. Everybody's following somebody. Most of us are following ourselves. But you've never put your trust in Christ and become his follower. Will you be vulnerable to God, the God that has made himself vulnerable to you, and put your trust in Christ and say, this is the day I'm going to put my faith in Christ, my trust, and I'm going to follow him fully, and I'm going to follow him freely, and I'm going to follow him forever. This might be a, a very special spiritual birthday for someone in this room. And then for others of us who have been kind of tottering on that, that edge of closing our hearts, guarding our hearts, building strong walls around ourselves, keeping ourselves hidden like the iceberg, 75% below the surface, beyond anybody's reach. The Spirit of God is crying out to all of us today. It is better to have a broken heart than to have a, a heart that has become so hard that it's beyond feeling the love of God even. So maybe the Spirit of God is pleading with you today, take the risk, be vulnerable. You won't regret it. We have a God that will heal us, protect us, and bring us through. Now there's a song we've been singing in this church for a couple years since it first came out. It was out, uh, first out in 2018 by Corey Asbury. It's called Reckless Love. How many of you just curious, you know, you're familiar with the song? But the truth is, you who have been in this church for a while, you know God's love is not reckless. It is very calculated. It is very specific. Far from reckless. Now, it looks a little reckless to us sometimes because he accepts that the masses of humanity are going to reject his love. To us, that looks reckless, but it's the way he is. It's who he is. It's not reckless, but as Pete suggested to me this week when we talked about this song, he said he used to sing this song, but they put the word matchless in there. And I said, yes, that's a much better way to do it. God's love is matchless, but it's not reckless. He just loves even those that he knows will never love him back. He's vulnerable. He loves the most, and he's the most vulnerable person in the universe. So as we sing this song, I'm going to pray, and then we'll sing this song. I, I hope that you'll open your heart afresh to this matchless, matchless love of God. It will fuel us to be vulnerable lovers of everyone in our circle of influence. Let's pray. Father, you know each of us. You know our fears. You know our wounds. You know our bruises. You know our hesitancies. May your spirit, may your spirit free our hearts in ways that we've yearned them to be free but have been too fearful. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.